A big week for the Big East on tap. And rivalry weekend in the books. Got a preview again of a big week. And a big weekend that just went by. Full of rivalry games. Surprises. Both good and bad. And as we get to conference play being right around the corner. Well. Power rankings are bound to come. So, all that and more coming up on this edition of the Igloo with Me, Timmy Ice. So, where do we begin? Well, it was rivalry week on the men's side. And you also had the conclusion of the Big East Big 12 battle. And this was not a good year for the Big East. As they were defeated in the battle for the first time ever. And not only did they lose, they lost 7-4. to four. And the Big 12, by the way, on Tuesday got a clean sweep. I mean, no surprise, Baylor beat Seton Hall. Providence, their offense disappeared. After going up, what, 42-41, they... They scored nine points the rest of the game in the final 14 minutes. Yuck. And, I mean, it, my upset pick looked pretty good until that, until the last 14 minutes. And then Kansas State withstood a comeback effort from Villanova, and Villanova... They led in overtime by four with a minute and a half to go, and they let it slip out of their grasp. And how did they let that happen? They got a layup from David Nageson, and then Tyler Perry, a clutch three-pointer with seven seconds left, and Villanova just, they couldn't answer back, and that's how they fall again. So that was a three-game losing streak. Uh, for Villanova, more on what they did over the weekend. And then at least Marquette salvaged, I mean, at least the Big East won the final game of the battle, and Marquette did so in, in dominant fashion. 86-65, to and it was a tight game. One-point game with about 3-11 left in the first half. And then Marquette scored 13 unanswered to end the first half. To go up by by 14 and they they just ran with it and steamrolled them leading by as many as 32 and Texas started off great Marquette started slow but dominant effort from the Golden Eagles led by a monster game from who else Tyler Kolek 28 8 and 6 4 of 9 from 3 11 of 16 from the floor so inside the arc, he was a perfect seven for seven. And also helps, you know, they shot lights out from three, 14 trifectas on 30 attempts and 16 for 29 inside the arc. So they were over 50% from the floor and they hold Texas just 25% from three. And right around 42% from the floor. So after that tough upset loss to Wisconsin, Marquette, nice bounce back win. 
other occurrences, um, I mean, UConn handled their business against UNC in the Jimmy V Classic, 87-76. I mean, UConn really controlled things in the second half. Uh, led by Cam Spencer, who wasn't afraid to speak his mind to do some jawing uh, with specifically Armando Baycott. Baycott had a nice game, 13-13, and but 4-12 from the floor. Also had 5 assists, which was shocking. 5-10, though, from the charity stripe, which is hideous. But the Huskies were really efficient in this one. 43-33 edge on the glass. And then inside the arc, 24 for 35 to shoot over 50% from the field. So it was a good bounce back win after losing a tough one at Kansas on on December 1st. Obviously, you know, no surprise, you know, St. John's won their bye game against Sacred Heart. DePaul got whacked by Texas A&M and it looked it was bad. They gave up 62 points in the first half, but you know, their defense played a lot better in the second half. They won the second half. I feel like Texas A&M must have taken their foot off the gas there. Even if that's the case, DePaul still won the second half, and that was something like, hey, we played like we played like crap in the first half. And defensively, Texas AM is getting points at will. So I give DePaul credit where credit's due. They won the second half and they took that momentum into uh, their matchup with Louisville. More on that in a sec. Xavier, though, they lose another by game as they lost to Delaware. And granted, listen, Delaware is no slouch. I mean, they're, you know, CAA, they were, you know, they're seven and three right now. And the only games they've lost. Uh, I mean, they lost a decent competition. UNC Greensboro and and George Washington uh, down in the Nassau Championship of um, for Baja Mar Hoops. But still, I mean, Xavier losing not one but two of these games was alarming. Really alarming. But they bounced back on Saturday... And handed undefeated Cincinnati, well, not anymore. They handed them their first L of the season and proving that Xavier still owns the city of Cincinnati. And they own the Bearcats at Cintas. Like, Cincinnati hasn't won at the Cintas Center in two decades. It's been a hot minute. And Quincy Olivari put together a huge performance. 27 points, six three-pointers on eight attempts, which is impressive. Then Davion McKnight, another transfer, 20 points on the night, two for four from three as well. I mean, Xavier really shot it well. Cincinnati, not so much. Eight for 17 for the Musketeers, five for 23 for the Bearcats. And they did a great job protecting the ball as well. Only eight turnovers on the night after obviously having a tough outing against Delaware in which they turned it over 17 times. 
and let Delaware shoot 50% from the field. I mean, both teams were great offensively. And Quincy Olivari, you know, monster week for him. He had 34 against the Blue Hens before 27 against Cincinnati. Other, you know, rivalry games on Saturday. Speaking of DePaul, big win over Louisville. Um, we saw the return of Jalen Terry and DePaul. They, they came out with more intensity. They wanted this one and they got that win. Eight for 23 from behind the arc and Jeremiah Odin continues to shoot lights out from three. Three for three from behind the arc, 22 points on the day. Chico Carter, 14 points and eight dimes. Uh, Terry in his return, five points in 14 minutes off the bench. And they held Louisville to under 40% from the field and five for 19 from behind the arc. And it made up for the fact that Paul turned it over 17 times but they they played really well defensively to win this ball game. And they needed that one. And it's funny how Louisville, even though they're a lot better than they were last year, it's funny how this is arguably the worst DePaul team that we've seen in like 15 years, roughly. And yet Louisville couldn't beat them. I'm saying some. Villanova, by the way, I mean, after... That three-game losing streak. At least they finished non-conference going seven and four as they beat UCLA by nine on uh, Fox Primetime Hoops. And they really played well in the second half. Um, Tyler Burton finished with 18 to lead the way. Not a sexy shooting night, but he did have a double-double. Um, Hakeem Hart was great off the bench in 27 minutes. He was a difference maker. And Eric Dixon... 10 rebounds, didn't score, but he made his made a difference on the glass. Uh, and Mick Cronin still had the nerve to shit talk him in the press conference saying like, he's like, he's I me. Mean, come on. Really? How are we letting him get 10 rebounds? Like first off, fuck off. You don't have to be tall to be a great rebounder. Case in point, Charles Barkley. He was six, six. And he earned the nickname of the round mound to rebound. Okay? So, Mick Cronin can take that bullshit and fuck off. Another positive result, Marquette just slaughtered Notre Dame in the first half. A 52-24 advantage. And they kind of, you know, called the dogs off a little bit in the second half because Notre Dame... Ended up losing by only 19 points, only, by only 19. But Osobi Gadara was brilliant, 20 points. Kolek with 17, 7, and 7. Cam Jones with 11 points. Uh, Stevie Mitchell's been hurt, so Chase Ross has been in the starting lineup. He had 8 points in this one. Uh, David Joplin with 8 as well. Uh, Sean Jones had 7 off the bench. I mean, just a dominant effort where they were efficient once again, shooting nearly 52% from the floor. And a really solid 12 of 13 from the free throw line, also forcing 
19 Notre Dame turnovers. Negative results of rivalry weekend. Uh, obviously, there's some other games, you know, where UConn started off slow against Arkansas Pine Bluff and the Golden Lions were shooting it really well early on, hanging with the Huskies off on offense. But UConn pulled away and won by almost 40. Meanwhile, Creighton exacted revenge from 20 years ago um, from the 2003 tournament that ended Kyle Korver's Creighton career. And the Blue Jays exacted revenge by winning 109-64. to And the funny thing is, everyone got their bag. Um, Isaac Trout had 18 off the bench. 5 of 6 from 3 and 6 of 7 overall. 17 for Mason Miller. 15 each from Kalkbrenner and Trey Alexander. Shireman with 13 points, 6 boards, and 9 assists. 4 of 5 from the field and 1 of 2 from behind the arc. Uh, Steven Ashford didn't have a great game, but Trout was great off the bench. Frederick King was really good in 19 minutes. 14 points, 5 rebounds. They got 6 from uh, Josiah Dotzler. 4 points from Jason Green. Uh, Francisco Farabello with just only two points and five, but five assists in 19 minutes. And then they got three points in seven minutes from Jonathan Lawson. I mean, 65% from the field is nuts. So inside the arc, 32 attempts, 26 makes. In case you're wondering what the shooting percentage is on that at home, that's 80 they were 81% from two point range. And they held the Chippewas to two of 19 from deep. 29 of 73 from the field is wild. And they out-rebounded them 40-25. Not a lot of turnovers either. Creighton nine turnovers, it's solid, but Central Michigan only turned it over six times. It just and only five Creighton fouls? Wow. But the disappointing results from rivalry weekend, Georgetown losing to Syracuse. I mean, they were hanging with them early on, and then Syracuse just pulled away and won uh, with Judah Mintz playing really well. But J.J. Starling, who I've seen, you know, he's from around the Syracuse area from Baldwinsville. He had been quiet all season long, but he went for 21 against the Hoyas on 8 of 14 shooting and also 3 for 3 from 3. Like, where the hell did that come from? And then Kadir Copeland at 14 off the bench. I mean, for Georgetown, I mean, you just you just can't let that happen. Yeah, sure, you can let Judah Mintz go off, but, like, Starling and Copeland? Nah, nah, you can't do that. I mean, Jaden Epps was okay, 17 points, but one of nine from three. Well, I was watching this game. Georgetown was struggling shooting the three, and they kept shooting the three. I'm like, dude, I would recommend trying to take a shot that's closer in, high percentage look. So it just blew my mind. I'm like, like, why are you shooting threes if they're not going in? I mean, they were under 20%, 5 of 26. Syracuse made the same amount of three-pointers in 15 fewer attempts.
So tough loss for Georgetown. They that puts them at that put them at five and four. And then Seton Hall also fell to five and four. Just a letdown of a performance against Rutgers. Like I talked about on Hoist the Colors. Doesn't matter what kind of success you had against Rutgers coming into this game, you know, winning six of eight in the and you know in the in the Garden State Harbor Classic series where you have a trophy on the line. All that doesn't matter. What happens is right here and now, what matters is right here and now, Rutgers clearly understood that and they came out with more intensity and they wanted it more. And Rutgers ended up winning the game. And Seton Hall did a terrible job defending the three. I know Rutgers is getting some crazy looks to, to fall, but you can't let a team like Rutgers shoot 50% from behind the arc. And you also can't shoot three of 20 from deep and let Alamir Dawes take 75% of your three-point attempts and shoot 20%. And shoot at a 20% clip from three. That's just not that. That's just not okay. That's unacceptable. Kadari Richmond played great, twenty-one points, nine boards, and four assists. But like, someone help him because he can't be doing everything. And you also don't want your point guard to, to end up playing selfishly. But given his options, he kind of has no choice. So obviously, as a Seed Hall fan, you know. I was incensed about this performance. It's just, ugh. And they had a lot, I mean, free throw opportunities. I mean, they were 5 for 12 in the first half, 11 of 16, 11 of 15 in the second half. Like, shooting 59% for the game from the charity stripe, you're not going to win a lot of games. You're, you're not going to beat, beat a team like Rutgers shooting like that. Like, And we clearly saw, like, Against Monmouth on t- uh, last night, I was—I mean, I picked Seen Hall to win the game. I thought Monmouth was going to keep it close, obviously. But I mean, they started—they struggled from the free throw line early in the game, but they picked it up towards the end. Like I think they were early on, they were like eight of sixteen. At least they made fourteen of their final sixteen. So I mean, at least there's—you had that. But they let. Monmouth hang around for too long and they ended up getting it done, but just continuing to struggle from three. Four for 16 in this one. They did own the glass 40 29. 16 turnovers. They're lucky they got away with it. And they were able to withstand some Monmouth runs, but you know who was the best player on the floor that night? It was a freshman, Isaiah Coleman, who is. Right up there is one of the best freshmen in the entire conference. And I don't say that lightly, and I'm trying not to say that from a biased perspective. Isaiah Coleman has been an elite freshman. And, you know, Jaden Bidiaco, another double-double. But given how things have looked this season and... Players stepping up, players regressing. I think if Shaheen Holloway wants to, you know, get himself in back into a ter- position to make an NCAA tournament, he's got to shake up his lineup. And I saw a quote saying that like he wasn't he he was good with the starters he had. That that 
that that put up a red flag for me. I'm like, really? I, I was really surprised because Dylan Adewusu played terribly against Monmouth. And he also played poorly against Rutgers. Like, something's got to change. And Coleman only played 12 minutes against Rutgers with three points. Dylan Adewusu played 27 minutes, only had four. And then you saw a clear difference against Monmouth. Adewusu only played 12 minutes. Coleman played 27 and he scored 17 points. And then speaking of Georgetown, you know, they bounced back Tuesday by um, getting a solid win against Coppin State. I'm shocked they didn't foul until like like the three-minute mark of the first half. And they ended up winning by 17. They hold Coppin State to just 14 first-half points, and they win by 17. Dontrell Styles played a lot better this time out. Uh, Jaden Epps was out because he was under the weather. So Rowan Brumbaugh stepped up with 14 points. Starting in that spot. And then, speaking of freshman, Drew Fielder. Great performance off the bench with 11 points. And then Sunday, I mean, you know, Providence, no surprise, took care of business against Brown. 13 first half points allowed. They lost the second half, but I mean, they had a, more than enough of an advantage where they could pull away and not have not worry about the lead. But St. John's losing to Boston College. Ugh. And what was even more alarming was um, what Rick Patino said afterward, saying like, you know, I'm stuck with these guys. Like, like, like I can't, like I'm stuck with these guys. I can't trade them. Like, you, like, bro, you dumped almost the entire roster minus Soriano. Like, what? And everyone was hyping them up like they were picked to finish fifth. Like, you can't be, you can't be bitching about that now. Were they picked to finish fifth? It was either fourth or fifth. It was fifth. Yeah, Villanova was picked ahead of them. I mean, all five of your stars got double figures. You know, Soriano with a double-double, Ledlam with a double-double, and then 10 each for Taylor, Jenkins, and Dingle, but, man, they got no... I mean, Aline had nine points, and then Edgefer had four off the bench, but, bro, Boston College has been okay, but, like, dude, you can't be losing to BC... If you're Rick Pitino, you cannot be losing to BC. And they let multiple guys score double figures. Post, Zachary, and Harris had 14 each. 13 from Kelly, 11 from Hand. I mean, their bench got outscored. 32 to 13, like... Yeah, you, like that just can't happen. Especially in Brooklyn. And you almost let Post get a triple-double. Like, come on now. Come on. As for, you know, coming up, you know, Biggie's play starts in six days. Um, so final non-conference slates. Um, no, 
Final week of non-conference games obviously started, you know, Tuesday night. Uh, tonight, number eight Creighton is at UNLV, if you even want to call it that. It's at the Dollar Loan Center. Um, I, I think it, it's got to be constituted as a road game. But, yeah, Creighton's going to take care of business against the running Rebels. Uh, Larry Johnson's not walking through that door. Sorry. Uh, Marquette, they'll take care of business against St. Thomas. Uh, Friday night, Butler's got Saginaw Valley State, non-D1 opponent, dogs win. And by the way, Butler, um, they beat Cal. I mean, they were down 12 early, but great comeback ever for Butler. Um, I mean, they made a bad play, you know, late in regulation. You know, they could have fouled up three, but it was, uh, what's his name? Uh, I know his last name's Cone, couldn't remember his first name. Uh, Jalen Cohn tied it with a three to force overtime. And then it goes to double overtime. And then Butler, by the way, eight and a half point favorite or nine and a half, depending on what you had going into the game. So Butler goes up 10 in the second overtime. Butler's dribbling it out. And then Jalen Cohn, he he signed up for, in this case, it wasn't 40 minutes. He signed up to play 50. So, gets the steal, pulls up from three, which ended up being a long two. I think they still count it as a three. But still, he hits the shot at the buzzer after picking the guy's pocket as he's trying to dribble it out. One of the worst bad beats I've ever seen. And I was literally, I was watching this at home. I'm like, oh no, he stole it. And then he drains of the horn. I was legitimately cackling. That is an all-timer. Uh, but yeah, Butler beat Saginaw Valley State. I don't, I'm not worried about that. Now, Continental Tire, Seattle tip-off. It was much better when it's known as the battle battle in Seattle. UConn, Gonzaga. Gonzaga's 8-2, UConn 9-1. The Zags, their only two losses coming against... Um, who did they lose to? They lost to Purdue in the Maui Invitational, and then they got upset at Washington on Saturday. Uh, they did get a win Monday against Mississippi Valley State, but Mississippi Valley State is supposed to be one of the worst teams in all of Division One. I. I know the game's in Seattle, but I'm going to take the Huskies, um, and this might be this time where... Man, this is an Elite Eight rematch. I don't know if UConn's going to kill Gonzaga like they did in Vegas last year. But I think UConn does win, and I think it'll be one of those instances like Dan Hurley wins a close game this time. I'm going with it. Saturday. Um, let's just talk about the throwaway games. You know, Providence is going to take care of business against Sacred Heart. St. John's, I got them beating Fordham. And they got to play a lot better um, this time around in, in this um I don't, is this the holiday fest? I, I don't I don't think it is. I'm not 100% sure. But anyways, uh, Northwestern's now number 25 in the country. And they're at DePaul. I, the Wildcats are going to win this one. I just don't see how DePaul wins it. Um, Xavier hosts Winthrop. I, I think the Musketeers get it together and win this one. Although Winthrop is a sleeper. They're 8-3 and three on the year. Lone loss is coming at Clemson, who's been very good. 
Uh, Drexel, they lost to in a tight one. And Drexel, you know, they beat Villanova. That counts for anything. And then their other loss, they lost at Georgia. So I think Xavier, they got the confidence that they needed back uh, after, you know, losing to Oakland and Delaware and then Houston before that by beating Cincinnati. So I think Xavier takes that momentum and beats Winthrop. And then Fox Primetime Hoops, Creighton hosting Alabama. This is going to be a shootout. But I think the Blue Jays win it. Um, And it's going to be a tight ball game too. You know, Bama was able to hang tough against Purdue. Uh, They lost to Clemson at home, and then they have a loss to Ohio State. Trying to see when that was. Or where that was. It was at Raider Arena. Where the hell is that? Oh, it was down in, like, Florida. Okay, whatever. But I still got Creighton winning. And then, uh, also, I forgot, Georgetown-Notre Dame. Oh, that's going to be an ugly game. Um, Tickets are as low as $4 if you want to make a trip out to South Bend. But if you don't go, have fun watching it on the CW. That should be a great production. But I got Georgetown winning on the road. It may sound crazy, but I I don't know. It's hard to trust Notre Dame at this point that they had been playing better. Like, they challenged Miami down in Coral Gables. Uh, They challenged South Carolina in Columbia. I just don't see... I I got Georgetown winning this one. I mean, but if Jaden Epps doesn't play, if he's still sick... I got Notre Dame winning, but I, if Epps does play, which I think he will, I think Georgetown wins. Seton Hall, Missouri on Sunday at the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City. This is a virtual road game. I, I got Mizzou winning. Um, they started off rough. You know, they lost, um, I mean, they lost to Jackson State at home. You know, they have a, they have a couple losses since then. You know, they... Well, they lost at number two, Kansas, um, but they hung tough. So they've been playing a lot better. So that's why I'm going to take Missouri winning. They also have a loss to Memphis, and Memphis has been solid too. But yeah, I mean, in a virtual road game like that, got to take Mizzou. As much as it pains me as to say as a Seton Hall alum. Women's Weekend Review plus previewing the start of Big East play. That starts tonight in Milwaukee. It's coming up on the other side of the break. Go. Hey, this is Joshua Duro. You're listening to the Igloo Podcast with Timmy Ice. So, a segue to the women's side. You had a you had a full buffet of results. Um, so let's start with well, Georgetown. I mean, they're continuing to roll. They handled Colgate on the road, kind of. I mean. If I didn't get a game assigned to me, I would have been there in a heartbeat. Uh, but Georgetown continues to roll. They're 8-1 now after beating Colgate. And they don't play again until Sunday. They get Wake Forest. Um, prediction on that coming later. Um, I was right about DePaul, by the way. They ended up beating Green Bay. I mean, that was like a tough pick to make. But I ended up picking the Blue Demons. And it ended up being the right call as the Native Peoples continues uh, to shine for the Blue Demons. Um, you know, I was curious to see who was going to step up and be that number one scorer following the departure of Anissa Morrow. 
Clearly, it's Anea Peoples. 22 points, 9 boards, and 5 dimes against the Green Bay Phoenix. Meanwhile, Villanova um, was able to beat Penn. Uh, and that was despite Lucy Olsen not scoring at her normal clip. 14 points and also struggling from the floor. 4 of 18 overall, 2 of 8 from long range. But Christina Dalsey had a career night. 18 points, seven reba- 17 rebounds, and, and a trio of blocks on top of that. And how about the freshman Maddie Weber off the bench, 16 points in 22 minutes. Wasn't a pretty win, but the Wildcats get it done in a big five battle at the Finn. Uh, Wednesday, well... In terms of other occurrences, how about Providence taking down URI, coming off the heels of URI upsetting Princeton? The Friars get a huge win. And not a lot of scoring in the fourth quarter. It was just 9-8. to Emily Archibald hit the go-ahead three, which would be the last points of the game with about two minutes left. No scoring after that. But a huge win for Aaron Bath and her squad. Uh, uh, St. John's tough loss at Fairfield, um, losing by five. But they were down 14 heading into the fourth. You know, give credit to St. John's for, you know, making a last, you know, trying to make a comeback. But at that point, you know, it was too little too late as the Red Storm fell to the Stags. Meanwhile, Butler, tough loss against Vandy. You know, I, 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 it's not like, you know, it was like I'm picking Butler on a whim. Like, I felt really confident that they could get it done at Hinkle, but Vanderbilt proved why, you know, they were coming into the night 8-1. and one. And they did, a, by the way, they won this game without making a single three. They were 0 for 9. But, then give credit to Vandy. They forced 24 Butler turnovers. And, you know, Austin Parkinson, you know, he obviously expects a lot better of his team. You know, that was definitely a winnable game, but the turnovers really cost him in the end. Uh, speaking of DePaul, you know, playing much better. They beat Green Bay, and they really challenged Miami on Friday on the road. Only, you know, a five-point loss. And and But DePaul, they were up with three minutes left. But Miami... Proved to be just too much as they answered after that with a 7-0 run that ended up being the difference maker as the Hurricanes remained unbeaten, but DePaul gave them a scare. Meanwhile, Seton Hall, they took care of business um, against Central Connecticut State and then FDU. Um, 77-46, they beat the Blue Devils. And then, and they Played a really solid fourth quarter. I mean, it was a it was seventeen points at at the end of three, which is you know okay, like they had that in the bag for the most part, but pulled away to win in the to win big, and then against FDU, they held the Knights to just ten points in the entire second half to win sixty seven twenty seven. I'm telling you, Micah Gray has really stepped up as arguably the most reliable scoring option. For this Pirates team, the transfer from Texas Southern. 
And they got a big one coming up Saturday against UNLV in Walsh. More on that coming up later. Other games, uh, so Providence was able to take the momentum of you know beating URI. They ended up going on the road and beating Yale by five. So the Friars now back to 500 at five and five. So they're starting to figure it out now in Friartown. Meanwhile, after you know after beating Penn Villanova, two tough losses back to back Saturday and Monday. They lose at St. Joe's by six, despite 32 from Lucy Olson. Didn't really get much. I mean, you had 15 and 11 from Dalsey, 10 from Weber off the bench. But other than that, I mean, the rest of the team only scored 10 points. And St. Joe's was a lot more efficient in this game. And they held Villanova to just 24% from behind the arc. And then a tough tough loss on Monday as they fell to Princeton by three as uh, Caitlin Chen went off for 31 uh, for the Tigers on 12 of 29 shooting. Jesus Christ. Um, and Villanova got a rebound at 44 to 30. Like little things like that, you know, losing the battle on the glass made a difference. And Princeton also got to the line a lot more. 12 of 15 compared to 5 of 7. Olsen continues to score at a high rate, 21 for Olsen in this one, and Dalsey had 16 points and 12 rebounds, and Weber had nine off the bench. I mean, that's the that trio, brilliant and really good again in this one. 46 points, the rest of the team just 12. So something's got to change, because um, Villanova now really on the struggle bus. They got to they pick it up, because their Big East schedule starts this weekend. Other games, I mean, St. John's bounced back from the loss to Fairfield by beating Rhode Island by double digits. And it was tied going into the fourth, but St. John's played really well in the fourth with Unique Drake leading all all scorers. And this one was 16. Also helps they got 14 off the bench from Sky Owen and 11 from... Bernaya Mayo. So the Big East goes 2-0 against URI this week, uh, this past week. Good stuff. Meanwhile, Butler was able to bounce back by trouncing Chicago State. Marquette remained unbeaten, although they had to survive a scare from Illinois State. And they were down heading into the fourth by six. And they end up winning it by two. And so the Golden Eagles now, you know, they're still 19th in the country, but they're 9-0. and And they start Big East play tonight against the team I'm about to talk about now. Creighton, who was number 22, they're now up to number 20 after beating Wyoming by a dozen. You know, that game was tied heading into the locker room, but Creighton played really well in the third and fourth quarters uh, to pull away and beat the Cowboys in Laramie. Led by Emma Ronsick with 22 points. Morgan Molly had 18. 16 from Lauren Jensen. I mean, that trio put together an outstanding performance. And of course, we got to talk about the UConn Huskies. Um, fell to number 17 in the poll going into um, last week, but they trounced Ball State 
by 27, and then beat a solid UNC team at Mohegan Sun by 12. And Paige Beckers, all like we're starting to see the page. We've been seeing the Paige Beckers of old, but like she took it to another level this past week. I mean, big performance against UNC with 26 points, and then had 15 in 21 minutes against Ball State. And it was a big third quarter that led that allowed UConn uh, to win this ball game. You know, it was tied at 36 going into the locker room, but it was 29-13 in the third. Beckers had 26 on the game. Edward, Aaliyah Edwards, 16 points and 11 boards. Nika Mule, 12 points, all from behind the arc. Four for seven from three in this one. And on the year, she's shooting over 40% from behind the arc. Which Russ Steinberg pointed out, yeah, and that's been kind of overlooked. I mean, they only had eight players that they played in this one. So uh, Gino shortening up the rotation a little bit. But Ashlyn Shade was great, as well as fellow freshman K.K. Arnold. Uh, Arnold, I mean, seven points, didn't really shoot it well, but had four rebounds and five assists. Aubrey Griffin at five off the bench in 27 minutes. And Caden Samuels, eight points, uh, two points in eight minutes. By the way, Paige had four blocks and three steals in this one. Really great all-around game for her. And they also forced 19 Tar Heel turnovers and held the Tar Heels to just three of 10 from behind the arc. Obviously didn't rebound it well, getting out-rebounded 43-33. But eight of 17 from three, Really made a difference for the Huskies in the win. So now as Big East play starts tonight. And there's another Big East game happening on Saturday. So let's let's talk about. It. I mean, first of all, uh DePaul's hosting Northwestern. I'm shocked that Northwestern is this bad. I mean, this is like just three years ago. They were four years ago, rather. They were gonna, they were a top ten team in the country. I think DePaul. They're playing well. I know they lost to Miami their last time out, but they've been playing much better lately. So I like how they look now. I'm taking the Blue Demons beating Northwestern at home. Biggie's play against starts tonight. Number and with a great matchup. Number twenty Creighton at number nineteen Marquette. The Blue Jays seven and one. Golden Eagles a perfect nine and zero. Oh. Creighton, I, honestly, they had that one minor hiccup. Y- yeah, they just had that one minor hiccup against Green Bay early in the you know back in November. Other than that, they've been really good. So honestly, I know Marquette, they're undefeated, but this game is, it's 50-50. It's a toss-up. And it's a shame this game isn't going to be on TV. It's on Flow Hoops. Yippee. And I say that sarcastically. Honestly, I'm conflicted because I love how Marquette has looked this year. 
I mean, Liza, uh, Mackenzie Hare is actually leading them in scoring 16 points a game. And then Liza Carlin and Jordan King are each averaging 15. I I mean, I'm kind of surprised. They're, they've been averaging 81 points a game. And meanwhile, Creighton's averaging 77 a game. And they also, I mean, it's going to be a great battle between you now big three of Jensen, Ronzik, and Molly against the big three of Hare, King, and Carlin. Who wins it, though? I'm telling you, I'm I'm still mulling it over now as we speak. This is going to be a, it's going to be 50-50. And these two teams, particularly when they meet in Milwaukee, it is always a barn burner. And it's always a close game. But you know what? I'm taking Creighton winning at Marquette. I think the Blue Jays hand the Golden Eagles their first L of the season. I just feel it in my gut. Um, and by the way, um, as we transition into uh, Friday, Xavier's got SIU Edwardsville, who's two and eight, and Xavier they haven't been able to play their last two games. Uh, they've been canceled because they haven't been able to field enough players. Um, canceled the game against Arizona State. And then postpone the game against Oakland. Maybe the rest is going to help Xavier. Maybe they're going to come out more refreshed. But then again, it could lead to rust. I don't know. But you know what? I've kind I'm kind of at the point where like screw it. Like this is going to be Xavier's time to win their first game of the year. And I'm going to go with it. I think Z- Billy Chambers gets her first win as the Xavier head coach by taking down SIUE. Saturday, top 20 showdown in Hartford, 18th-ranked Louisville, 17th-ranked UConn. That's at noon on Fox. I'm going to take the Huskies beating the Cardinals. I know Louisville's been good, 9-1 on the year. Their lone loss coming against Alabama in the Betty Chancellor Classic. I just think UConn is in a better position to win this game. So I'm going to take the Huskies. They're going to have the best player on the court with Paige Beckers, undeniably. So I'm going to take the Huskies. And I wouldn't be shocked if they end up winning big. Now, Seed Hall, big game against number 23, UNLV. I think the Run Rebels win this one, but Seed Hall's going to put up a fight. Okay? They are a... They have what it takes to win a game like this. And more importantly, in in terms of non-conference play, they they like being giant killers, especially against teams that have a number next to their name. So I wouldn't be shocked if the Runner Rebels falter a little bit and the Pirates see that window of opportunity and take it and pull the upset, but... I just think UNLV is going to be too much. I'm going to take the Run Rebels winning a tight one in Walsh. I think Providence takes care of Sacred Heart. Uh, they've just they've really been picking it up and playing really solid ball. Um, you know, going two and zero this past week, and then by the way, Villanova St. John's is at the Garden. Uh, Nova again, they've been struggling. They've lost three of their last four, including two consecutive losses. 
And St. John's been playing better as of late after starting 2-5. and five. But I think Villanova is just going to be too much. Uh, St. John's will keep it close, but I think Villanova will take it in the Garden. And then on Sunday, let's see what we get here. Uh, Georgetown hosting Wake. Yeah, Georgetown's going to keep the train rolling. I got the Hoyas beating the Demon Deacons. I think Marquette, I mean, who knows if they're still unbeaten. You know, if they beat Creighton on Wednesday, a.k.a. tonight, they would be 10-0 going into this game, but regardless of their record, yeah, they should and will beat Appalachian State. I got Creighton winning on the road over Drake. And then DePaul taking on a winless Alabama State team. Yeah, Blue Demons will take care of business. And then on Monday, uh, uh, UConn opens Big East play against Butler. You know, Butler's been looking really good. And they'll have a week of rest going into this game. But, I mean, while Butler has improved a lot, and they look like a team that could be in the top half of the league this year, potentially, like in that 6-7 to seven range, maybe? UConn's obviously going to be too much, and the Huskies are going to win. That's just That's just how I feel. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Igloo. Um, still working on figuring and still working on getting the round table together, trying to do it right before conference play. Um, the fourth annual and the final installment of the Big East round table. Um, still working it out with the people I want on it. I'll have more details on it. Hopefully in due time, I'll figure it out. I tend to, and Trust the process, I guess. So that's going to do it. Thanks for tuning in and enjoy the games this week. And I'll catch you next time another on another edition of the coolest podcast in all of college basketball, the Igloo with me, Timmy Ice. Take care, y'all.